For Wednesday, December 8th, it's the early word from the WNYC Newsroom. I'm Lance Lucky, in for Isaac Davey Aronson, with a look at this morning's top news stories, the day ahead, and reporting highlights from the WNYC News team. Coming up, Ozzie Pabura reviews some past troubles of State Senator Kevin Parker, who's just been convicted of assaulting a newspaper photographer, and we'll remember John Lennon on the anniversary of his death. We'll hear from the emergency room doctor who tried to save him 30 years ago today. We'll start with the morning's top headlines just ahead. The Early Word is a production of WNYC Radio. You can support this podcast by making a donation at WNYC.org, where you can also get the latest updates on this morning's headlines on the news page. President Obama is facing intense criticism from fellow Democrats over his compromise with Republicans over a tax package that will extend both tax cuts for all Americans for two years and unemployment benefits for millions of people. President Obama said he had little choice but to make a deal. And if I can't persuade them, then I've got to look at what is the best thing to do, given that reality, for the American people and for jobs. The compromise also includes an extension of some business tax cuts and a one-year reduction in the Social Security payroll tax. New York Congressman Anthony Weiner says the package is, quote, a bad deal that wasn't skillfully negotiated. The arrest of WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange has not slowed the website from releasing sensitive diplomatic documents. A British judge denied Assange bail and sent him to jail yesterday. Assange vowed to fight efforts to extradite him to Sweden to face rape charges. Meanwhile, his website released a new round of diplomatic cables detailing a NATO defense plan. An upcoming feature in Microsoft's Internet Explorer will let users add lists of websites that they do and don't want tracking them. But it's not automatically turned on, and consumers will have to create their own list of sites that they want to block. Microsoft's announcement comes as the Federal Trade Commission proposes rules to limit the ways websites can watch their users. The head of New York City OTB says the betting operation will close for good after the state Senate failed to pass a rescue measure. Karen DeWitt has more from Albany. Larry Schwartz, the chair of the New York City Off-Track Betting Board, who is also Governor David Patterson's chief of staff, says he's disappointed and saddened that the bill did not pass and that nearly 1,000 people have now lost their jobs. I think this puts the racing industry in turmoil. Schwartz says tens of thousands of other racing industry jobs are now at risk, and he predicts harness tracks will close and breeders will move out of state. In the Senate, finger-pointing began before the vote was even finished. Democrats blamed Republicans. The GOP had sought a wider bailout bill for other OTBs on Long Island and upstate. Republican senators said it was the Democrats' fault because they could not deliver enough yes votes. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. Blaming persistently poor student test scores, the Department of Education has named another 14 low-performing schools it plans to close, bringing the two-day total to 26. Jamaica High School in Queens is one of them. Mark Epstein, a social studies teacher there, says the DOE's decision is destructive. They're going to have a permanent inquisition that just keeps shuttering schools and reopening them and restocking them and really uh, damaging the, the kids they ostensibly want to help the most. Jamaica High School and most of the other schools will gradually phase themselves out over the next few years by not accepting new students. The DOE says two of the schools are expected to close at the end of this school year. Meanwhile, student advocates are accusing the Department of Education of manipulating data to make it seem like schools have more space than they actually do. 
Kim Sweet, executive director of Advocates for Children, says parents were being told that their children's schools had plenty of space. But meanwhile, they were actually seeing that their children were being provided with speech therapy in the hallways, in the back of the library, because they'd had classrooms taken away already. The Campaign for Fiscal Equity analyzed the capacity of different school buildings and found that the numbers went up and down dramatically from one year to the next. The DOE says the study doesn't account for all the ways that schools have increased capacity. Shootings and murders are rising in New York City, and on Tuesday, Manhattan DA Cyrus Vance announced the arrest of a 20-year-old accused of selling 25 illegal guns. He says this year almost a quarter of the people accused of gun possession have been 18 or younger. These are young adults who should be in school, not with their guns in their hands, headed either to prison or to an early grave. In addition to stepping up community outreach, the NYPD continues to promote a gun buyback program. This weekend, the NYPD and two central Brooklyn churches will host gun buybacks. Commissioner Ray Kelly says such programs have gotten 6,000 guns off the streets this year. Meanwhile, there's a new sheriff in town, and he doesn't ride a horse or carry a six-shooter. Edgar Domenech is the former deputy director of the U.S. Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives. My responsibility is to the mayor and to the taxpayers of the city of New York, and uh, I will take any action if I deemed appropriate uh, regarding any illegal activities. Edgar Domenech will take over in January. Part of the Department of Finance, the city's sheriff's department, brings delinquent parents in child support cases to court, cracks down on illegal cigarette sales, and carries out evictions. A Brooklyn lawmaker was found guilty of assaulting a newspaper photographer and could face up to a year in jail. As WNYC's Ozzie Paperer reports, this isn't the first time State Senator Kevin Parker has gotten into trouble since 2002, the year he was first elected to the Senate. The New York City Police Department said he punched a traffic officer in the face for writing him a parking ticket. Last year, he referred to Governor David Patterson as a coke-snorting, staff-banging governor. He did that in front of reporters, and he later apologized for that. As recently as February, he apparently cursed and charged at a fellow lawmaker. There were witnesses to it. He said he didn't charge, but there was a heated conversation. So the fact that he's in trouble is nothing new to anyone that covers Albany. WNYC's Ozzie Pabra. Parker was cleared of the more serious felony charges in the assault case, but the Democrat still faces possible sanctions from the state Senate which is now controlled by Republicans. Parker will be sentenced January 27th. And finally, a New York fashion photographer known for his 1970s nude images of then-10-year-old Brooke Shields has died. Gary Gross was 73. In 1975, Shields' mother consented to allow her then-child model daughter to be photographed nude. But after her daughter's acting career took off, she sued to stop Gross from continuing to sell the photos. Shields lost that case. Fast forward three decades and just in time for the holidays, the FBI has issued a cybercrime alert on a new Barbie doll that comes with a hidden video camera. Mattel's Barbie video girl has a video camera built into its necklace that can record up to 30 minutes and be downloaded onto a computer. Officials warn it could be used to produce child pornography, though no crimes have been reported. Taking a look at the calendar, Mayor Bloomberg addresses unemployment and job creation during a breakfast at the Brooklyn Navy Yard. Also this morning, advocates for a couple of quality of life issues hold events at City Hall. Parents, union workers and supporters march against public daycare closures. 
That'll be followed by public advocate Bill de Blasio, joined by city council representatives who will release data outlining residential heating and hot water problems. They'll discuss a new initiative to hold landlords accountable. In Washington this morning, Secretary of Education Arne Duncan, Secretary of Homeland Security Janet Napolitano, Senator Dick Durbin and House members hold a press conference to urge members of Congress to pass the DREAM Act. That provides a path to citizenship for children and young adults brought into the U.S. illegally before they were 15 and who've been here at least five years. And President Obama meets with Polish President Bronisław Komorowski at the White House. Just some of what's happening this Wednesday. Our life together is so precious Together we have grown We have grown John Lennon was brought to the emergency room of the Roosevelt site, St. Luke's Roosevelt Hospital, this evening, shortly before 11 p.m. He was dead on arrival. That's Dr. Stephen Lynn making the announcement that shocked the world 30 years ago today. Lynn tried to save the former Beatle after he was shot by Mark David Chapman in front of Lennon's home at the Dakota Building on Manhattan's Upper West Side. WNYC spoke to Dr. Lynn a few years ago about his memories of that evening. The first thing that Yoko Ono said when she accepted the fact that her husband died was something like, please delay the announcement. I need to go home. I want to make certain that Sean is not sitting in front of the TV set. I want to tell him myself, in my own words, at my own time. I was touched by that. Dr. Lynn says that when he went home at about 3 in the morning, he felt a bit paranoid. I was afraid that someone would come up to me and say, you're the doctor that cared for John Lennon. You're the doctor that didn't save John Lennon. You're the doctor that killed John Lennon. I thought, should I ask the police to drive me home? I walked home. I was exhausted. Dr. Stephen Lynn recalling the night John Lennon was killed 30 years ago today. Three days before Lennon was gunned down, he complained about his critics, saying they were just interested in dead heroes, and he talked optimistically about his family and future, musing that he had plenty of time to accomplish some of his life goals. And today, for the first time, Rolling Stone is releasing that final interview with John Lennon. It hits magazine stands Friday. Only brief excerpts of Jonathan Cott's interview was released for a 1980 Rolling Stone cover story just days after Lennon's death. Recalling that interview yesterday, Cott said Lennon's words are totally joyous and vibrant and hopeful and subversive and fearless. And you can join WNYC's John Schaefer in the green space tonight for a tribute to John Lennon with music from bassist and singer Michelle Indigeo Ocello. It's at 7 o'clock. You can get details and tickets at WNYC.org slash The Green Space. We hide behind the 
this is Will Oldham. Under a variety of pseudonyms, including Bonnie Prince Billy and the Palace Brothers, he's been leader of the neo-folk movement for over 15 years. Oldham specializes in a decidedly dark and haunting branch of Americana. His songs are often noted for their raw, emotional quality, filled with long, empty pauses. In a certain room, pain by what he sees. Oldham plays tonight at Town Hall to download this song called Someone Coming Through from his 2010 release Beware. Just head to our culture site. Click on culture at WNYC.org. You can learn more about all the stories you heard here, download more podcasts, and go in-depth with our reporters on the news blog. That's all at our website, WNYC.org. You can hear us there 24 hours a day, as well as on the air at 93.9 FM and AM 820. From the WNYC Newsroom, I'm Lance Lucky. Have a great day. It is now for us.